Welcome to Opinion Havers, a movie podcast for people who can't wake up because they didn't fall asleep. I'm Cody. And I'm Tyler. Tyler, tell the people what they want to hear, you know? Oh, Cody, here's the thing. We watched, I assume that's what you said. You cut out real bad there for me. So, you know, I just, I'm going to assume that you want to know what we watched. Right. Because that's what you always want to know. Like a coward. Right. You never pay yeah. attention to know for yourself. So I got to tell you, we watched Asteroid City. Excellent. Very well done. You nailed it. And nailed it. I laid it up for you and you, you, you dunked it. You know, you did the slam dunk. You did the alley-oop. Tyler. Oh, you know, it's just a special day. It's a special day when we get to watch a Wes Anderson, a Wes Anderson movie and one in the theaters, you know? Remember that time we saw the other one in theaters? Remember that? The oh. glory days back when there was an Alamo draft house in Kansas City. I'll never forget that one that we saw together in the theaters. Yeah. Such a special oh. time. Just glorious. And now the Alamo draft house is gone, you know? <laughs> It's gone. It's dead. Someone else runs it now, and I haven't been since, and I refuse to go, you know? Tyler, why don't you just break it down for us? Why don't you just give us the quick and dirty on this movie? What is Asteroid City all about? You want that quick and dirty, Cody? I mean, I want it dirty, most importantly, but if you can also give it to me quick, then even better. Oh, Cody, I can give it both. I can do both. I... Trust me, Cody. If I if it's gonna be quick, then you know it's already gonna be dirty. All right. Here's what I let me tell you, Cody. We we join the Schwartz man, all right, as he travels out into the wilderness with these children of unknown origin. All right. These children of unknown origin with the Schwartz man, they're out here, they're in the desert. And you know, this 14 cent part, they have an issue with it and, you know, hilarity ensues and they, they're, they're out there. All right. Who do you call for help? All right. You're out in the wilderness in the outback, if you will. All right. The, the North American outback, AKA the Southwest, probably. I don't know. All right. Who are you going to call? You're going to call Woody. You're going to call the sheriff. All right. He's going to come. He's going to come save you. He's going to come bail you out. All right. You're going to go out there. You're going to meet some people. You're going to have some fun. Scarlett Johansson probably did a voice in Toy Story as well, but I don't know what she voiced, so I'll just say you're out there and you meet Scarlett Johansson, the the real, the actor, Scarlett, the actress, the actor. Is it actress, actor? I don't know what you're supposed to. They're on strike. Does it matter? Uh, They're not people when they're on strike. They're just yeah. strikers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. which is weird, Cody, because how do you go from being in movies to being an armored personnel carrier used by the U.S. military? All right. How do you make that transition? But you know what? Modern medical science has made a lot of a uh, lot of just leaps and bounds in that area. All right. You know, you know, it used to be everybody wanted to be an anesthesiologist. Now, everybody out here, plastic surgeon turning actors into military equipment. All right. And that's what this movie's about. <coughs> Great. You know, it was dirty. It was 
relatively quick and you got in there you got out of there tyler let me tell you let me give you my hot take on this movie you know it's delightful i enjoyed the movie a lot i you know it was almost almost a home run you know not quite i liked it a lot you know i liked it a lot and i'm sure you're gonna fight me on it and i want you to fight me on it i want to get into it but first i want to hear your you know what's your first thought on the movie Cody, as you know me, I may be a lot of things. I may be the proud owner of the entirety, almost entirety. No, I think it's in the entirety of the Michael Bay Transformers series mm-hmm. in the Steel Book. But I also appreciate myself a Wes Anderson film. There are my guilty pleasure. Mm-hmm. Don't tell nobody. <laughs> because... Only losers like Wes Anderson films. Have you seen this guy? Loser, right? Mm-hmm. And this one is pretty good. I watched multiple, more than one. That's what multiple means for those of you keeping it up at home. That's why people like this podcast. They learn things yeah. while they listen to it. You, you know, know what? You got to make things <laughs> educational, all right? As I said, you remember words before. like multiple <clears throat> and gank. Up- we'll get into that one later. <laughs> I've brought this up before, you know, there's a, there's a YouTube creator that he uses the phrase dragon energy a lot and it makes me want to punch him in the face, but he's very successful. So I'm going to, I'm here to bring that dragon energy. All right. Yeah. That creative dragon energy to force this huge company of many people, pull it into success through sheer force of my own enormous wiener. All right. That's what I'm here to do. Okay. And sometimes Wes Anderson's you there. Like this movie. <laughs> so far, and I enjoy so far Wes Anderson. You like and Wes Cody, Anderson movies in general. If I need but to unwind this one. At the end of the day, with a Wes Anderson movie, that's my business. All right. <laughs> I okay. I thought this was a good one. I thought it was a good one. I thought this was a very Wes Anderson, Wes Anderson movie. All right. Better than some. Better than all of them. Who knows? Wow. It's a strong opinion. That's a hot take. You know, what else do we need to talk about? <laughs> Any other words of the day for us, you know? Any other vocabulary expansion you want to do? Uh, we, did, think, we did dragon you know, energy. Back back when we did we did gank. Back when I was a, we did a child. multiple. Back when I was a child, I had one of these little spinny things to spell stuff out you know what i'm talking about you spin uh-huh. it and you spell bellicose there you go there's a word of the day for you oh very good that's a good word yeah is it a, a like a warring kind of person i believe so the the, the, the here's the thing the little spinny thing it would use it in a sentence and it would be like something the bellicose giant and i was like you know i still don't that doesn't explain to me what this means you look up the definition of a word in Google and it's like, yeah, it's uh <laughs> what's a ganker? It's someone who ganks. And you're like, well, you know, Google, <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> we both wasted each other's time. You know, you Last could 30 say seconds, total wash. A bellicose person probably does have a tendency or a desire to gank, right? Could we not combine yeah, the two? I would, I would agree. Yeah. As someone who thinks they might understand one or one of those two words. 
I think that's correct. Yeah. Tyler, I think, look, we covered vocab corner. We gave a synopsis of the movie. We gave a couple of hot takes. I mean, is it time to dive in? Cody, it's time. All right. Hop, hop in. All right. Hop in my PVC and saran wrap spaceship. And let's let's go meet Jeff Goldblum. All right. He's hanging out in Spoiler right. Town. That's where he's from. All right. A lot of people don't know. A lot, not a lot of people from Spoiler Town. Jeff Goldblum knows the spoilers to everything. All right. That's what makes sure. him Jeff yep. Goldblum. Yeah. That's where all his power comes from. And speaking of Jeff Goldblum, just as we're pulling in here, Cody, as we're coming in for a landing, everybody do yourself a favor. All the zero people that listen to this, you're beautiful. I love you. You're my favorites. All right. Go find that random video where like the comedian who does an impression of Jeff Goldblum is talking to Jeff Goldblum. It's a treasure, all right? That's one of my favorite Ooh. videos on the internet, right? I'm into the word that. incredible I mean, it's gets a much said better, so it's many a much times. better video recommendation than the stupid, what were those dudes from Ireland? The Jed, Jedward. Jed, Jedward. Much better than Jedward's Under Pressure Ice Ice Baby. Oh. All right, Tyler, do you want to go first? You want me to go first? Here's what I'm going to do, Cody. Here's what I'm going to do, right? I have with me the world's smallest skip bow card game. And I'm going to flip it. Don't don't ask questions you don't want the answers to, Cody. Call heads or tails. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Call it. Call it you coward. Going I'm going heads. It's all right, you go first. All right. Okay. Let me gear up here. Let me set up the thing I didn't set up. Yeah, here we go. I, mean, I got oh, the same um, deal. All right. I'm I'm ready. I'm set. I'm going. Tyler, look. It's been a while. It's been a while since I've seen a Wes Anderson movie. I missed his last live action one. And you know, uh, the last one I saw in theaters, I think, was Isle of Dog. Look, I love his animated movies. They're some of my favorites. But there's something special about these live action Wes Anderson movies. And especially, like, of late because you know they're just beautiful you know it is a beautiful movie and look you don't have to like it but you do have to appreciate how adorable every frame of this movie is the costumes the characters the scenery the puppeteered roadrunner fantastic i mean what a lovely touch the little miniature train carrying avocados Oh, just delightful. The whole thing going to the asteroid city was just just a joy. Let's talk about this movie because you go into the movie and you're like, oh, it's a movie about it's uh, they're at asteroid city in the desert looking at a a meteor, an asteroid, Um, you know? No, that is not what this movie's about. Spoiler. We're in spoiler town. I'm spoiling it for you. All right. This is a movie about a TV special about the making of a play, all right? How's that for a mind melt, you know? Does that not just twist your titties? Does it not just, your brain is in a knot, isn't it? Yes, it is. Oh my goodness, a movie about a TV special about making a play. What is this? It's interesting. I had to see this movie twice because I watched it once and I sat there and I was like, you know what? Was this movie delightful? Yes, it was. But did I understand it? 
Probably not. And I sat there in big brain mode because sometimes I don't understand a movie and I didn't enjoy it. So I don't care to think about it and dissect it. This one, I was like, no, there's something going on here. And I'm going to figure it out. I sat there and I listened to the whole credit song and I tried to figure it out. And then I had to go to the store to buy spices to make curry. And I was thinking, and I just kept thinking, I was like, oh, I'm doing it. I'm figuring out what this movie was about. And let me tell you, I got 80% of the way there. And I was like, I'm going to have to see this movie again. And you know what? I went back. I saw it again. And I walked out of the movie the second time. And I thought, I don't know that whatever 80% of the way I was there, I lost it all. <laughs> I got no closer. But then I went back to my notes. I think I figured out. I think I figured out what I thought. I hadn't quite figured. I'm right there. And then I read a Wes Anderson quote. Oh, I'm going to read it to you later. And you're going to be like, oh, all right. Well, uh, nobody knows, you know, but I know I'm telling you, I know what the movie's about, but I need to talk to you about it. All right. We need to discuss it. Let's talk about my favorite bits of the movie. Number one, everything to do with the sets. Number two, oh, the alien song. Oh, the little boy. He makes a little alien song. Montana. He's a real man. He's a real man's man. And when a child writes a song about an alien, you learn the chords to it and you back them up. You get your band, you get the washboard, you get the banjo, you get the guitar, and you back this man up, all right? Just fantastic. I mean, you know, it's just delightful. That's the thing about this movie. The set design, everything they did, you know, it just filled me with joy it was such a funny movie so many fun characters and you know the best part of a wes anderson movie they get everyone up in there i mean it is aggressive how many people he gets into it. like how many quality actors he gets repeat actors i saw something there were 14 ass actors that have been nominated for oscars in this movie four of whom have won oscars ridiculous all right i mean you get some people that would kill to have one or two of these actors in their movie and Wes Anderson I mean it's like it's like you know when you're playing Pokemon and you're like gotta catch them all so you catch all these Pokemon you never even use that's what Wes Anderson's doing he's collecting all a sag he's got everyone up in there basically anyone who's striking right now has been in a Wes Anderson movie you know what I'm saying he's got all the A-listers a few of the B-listers they're all up in there it's wild you know what I'm saying Oh, love the Roadrunner. Dare me, kid. You know, love it. It was great. The pot pepper <laughs> jumping off the rooftop. And I mean, the best one, though, climbing up the cactus. He really, you didn't think he could top falling off a building, but no. Climbing on a cactus. He re The crescendo, the peak, just masterful writing. Just really fantastic script. Oh, Cody, I'm going to have to cut you off there, all right? You know, and I'm just going to, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to jump right into mine. So you, shush now, okay? And follow me. Let me take you down to the asteroid city where the sky is a weird shade of blue and the land is sold out of uh, vending machines, all right? Let's talk about the real MVP of this movie, okay? Let's talk about, it's gone. It's gone from my brain. You know, I mean, you got the Schwartz, man. It's not gone from my brain. I'm looking at the list of them and I relied on the list of actors like I'll pick it out. No, Steve Carell, this man. Is he's selling his little heart out. He's literally selling 
sand in a desert. All right. That's what this man's doing. All right. You know, he's there. And they're like, this this family, they're checking in, you know, that's this way we were introduced to him. They're checking in and he's like, oh, here you go. And here's the key to the tent. We don't want a tent. Oh, well, here's the thing. I installed all this fresh new stuff. It's a wonderful little cabin. Now it's awesome. And it also it burned down. So it's a tent now. <laughs> Uh, and they were like, we don't want a tent though. And he's like, mm, what flavor of juice do you want? And I'm like, oh yeah, no, yeah, no, I, yeah. He's out here doing it. I, here's the thing. Everyone out here, fantastic performances. All right. They're all doing great. All right. These people killing it, knocking it out of the park. Steve Carell's the one that deserves the Oscar. I'm going to nominate him right here. All right. He's Steve Carell, Oscar worthy performance. All right. This man's a treasure. Okay. Here's the thing, you know, this movie from the beginning is a good movie. It goes, it gets right back into the Wes Anderson-ness, right? Because here's the thing. I went back, I just introduced my wife to my favorite Wes Anderson movie, which was uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel, right? Uh, she loved it. We then watched uh, Isle of Dogs and uh, what's the, oh, Cody, what's that behind you? Oh, is that the Life Aquatic with... With something, uh, you know, yeah, the guy, you know, the other guy, I don't know. It's life aquatic. You all know what it is. Um, and I liked life aquatic, Here's the thing. but you know, it doesn't feel that same Wes Anderson. It feels like Wes Anderson trying to imitate what's his face. French guy, Cousteau, you know what I'm saying? That's kind of what the vibe is, right? This, oh, it's Wes Anderson. Why is the sky the shade of blue? Why is it so beautiful, Cody? Why do I need it in my life? Why is he tethered to a string, Cody? Why does he have a jetpack, but they only allow him to fly three feet up into the air? You know, I love it. I love how bad. Here's the thing. The effects in Wes Anderson movies are always, they're so bad and they're so good at the same time. They're so bad, but they're so good that they make the, he makes them look bad, but they are amazing, right? That's what it is. Look at me, right? Look into my face and tell me I'm wrong. You can't because I'm not wrong. All right. The guy, you know, like the get go, right? Everybody's talking fast. They're on the phone. They're hit there. He's like, here, we, where are you? We're here. Why are you there? The car broke down. It exploded. Why did it explode? Uh, don't worry about it. Come get the kids. I'm not going to come get the kids. Yeah, just come get them. All right, fine. And then he does. He comes like a whipped hoe. All right. That's Woody comes out there. This rich man. What is this guy doing? All right. He's out here just being rich and alone. Is that his vibe? Is that is that every old white guy? Is that what they're doing right now? Here's the thing, old white guys. PSA, Wes Anderson, he's coming for you. All right. He's calling you out in the form of Tom Hanks. Tim Honks. All right. Everybody knows his name. Put some respect on that name. All right. He's coming out there. He's picking him up. But like these kids and their inventions. Right. And the parents. Oh. Parents are so over it, right? They're over this. They're over the kids and their genius, right? Like I had no idea why they were all there until they're at the little award ceremony. I was like, oh, they're all there for like a thing. And they're all celebrating. Uh, celebrated was it September 26th when this meteor fell 5,000 years ago or something like that. And, uh, you know, like to, the whole thing was so like, of, it's a fever dream. I think it's interesting that, it, uh, like many movies we watch, you're sitting there, you're racking your brain. You know, you're like, how does, uh, you know, temporal inertia or whatever work, you know, and you can't understand it. You don't understand that Tenet is the beginning and end. All right. He is Alpha and Omega, Cody. He is Christ. That's what he's saying. 
All right. That's what that movie's about. Okay. Uh, you know, that is Christopher Nolan declaring himself as the second coming. Okay. Uh, but they, I sitting there looking at, it, I was like, this is a fever dream. And I was like, this is, I felt like it seemed pretty obvious to me what it's all about, but I, I you know, I'm interested to hear what uh, you have to Tyler, say. Tyler, uh, look, I'm going to have to cut you off right there because you got no heart. You know, there, it, there's something at the heart of this movie. I would know I've seen it two times. All right. But look, I own it, Cody. Here's what it is, but I've got access to your accounts. All right. I'm in, I've hacked into your matrix. And I know everything. All right. Let's talk about this. Here's what I think the movie is about. All right. Because there's two things. First off, they say you can't. What is it? (laughs) You can't wake up if you don't fall asleep. What do they mean? What do they mean by falling asleep? Here's what I think. The movie it's about a TV special narrated by Brian Cranston about the making of a play. All right. It's about them making the play and it shows them struggling to make the play. And it shows Augie Bernstein. No, the guy portraying Augie Bernstein who doesn't. Uh, he, he wants to know why. Why does he do what he does? What does it all mean? Here's the thing. I think the act of creating the play and becoming characters is like the sleeping and life isn't worth waking up if you don't have that if you're not engaging in creativity and here's the other thing i think it's about all right are you ready (gasps) augie is always like i don't know if i'm doing it right and he's talking his director and he's asking why he's doing things he's like i don't know if i'm doing it right but you know what the director says he says You've got it. You've got the part. You're doing it. You know what's going on. You'll play it right. It'll be all right. Even Jeff Goldblum is like, here's what I think the alien means. And you're like, is that real? It's like, ah, that's what I think. I don't know. You know, nobody knows. The question behind the movie is, is there a meaning to life? And that's the point of the characters in the play in Asteroid City. Their world is shook, all right? An alien came down from Hevon, all right? Tall and skinny. Eh? He's six foot seven, all right? He's out here. <laughs> he, he drops in, snatches up the asteroid. Then, just as they're about to be let loose, uh, he drops the asteroid back down. <laughs> He's like, ah, you can have it back. I'm all done with it. Thank you very much. And he leaves, you know? It shakes the world, except for some of the characters. Some of the characters are like, you know, just another Tuesday. You know, it's just September 26th. What's the big deal? Here's my point. This is what I think the movie is positing. <laughs> is there a meaning to life? And the answer is a resounding, maybe. Either way, just give it your best shot, kid. And I think that's the point of the movie. It doesn't matter if you know or don't know what life is all about. Just give it your best effort. Just like He's given his best effort to be Augie, even though he doesn't quite understand the character. He's still doing him justice. He's still doing a good job. And maybe it doesn't matter if there's something more or not. What matters is that you're doing it. You're out here lifing it up. Now, I've given you my spiel and I've, you know, and you've been digesting it. And I can see in your brain, you're like, doesn't matter. There's a roadrunner. But let me tell you this I have. An entire paragraph quote from Wes Anderson in IndieWire. <laughs> I'm going to read it to you, 
and it may just kind of discredit everything I just said. So here we go. <laughs> okay. This is specifically in reference to the you can't wake up if you don't fall asleep sequence. All right. When they're doing the acting exercise and they all, some guys are sleepwalking and some and they all burst out and say the same thing. <clears throat> all right. Here's what he says. Keep in mind, this is related just to the scene, not to the whole movie. Wes says, I'll do my best Wes Anderson impersonation. Are you ready? The scene itself comes out of this acting class where they're doing exercises. Something, what you're doing in an acting class is quite abstract because you're taking it out of character and instead you're going into something to test your instrument, to train yourself to do something that a text will require of you, but you don't know what the text is. They're inventing a kind of acting exercise, but they're also meant to be trying to help this playwright break through a sort of block he's got in his script. He has something he's envisioning, but he's not sure what it is. So he's looking to this company to workshop it with him. Then this kind of thing bursts out of them. That was sort of sort of the context of the scene, but what actually happens in it is still something that happens spontaneously between you and a pencil or a typewriter. You're waiting for the thing that is also beyond your control to suddenly happen. I will say there's a theatrical kind of reference to it, but I'm hesitant to say it. At some later date, I'll say it. It's something that has been adapted. It'll be more interesting at a later date. Actually, when I do tell you, then you'll see it and it'll be interesting. Better to let, let it simmer for now. Wes Anderson's a little tease, all right? He's out here saying, I know what it all means. I know what it all references, but I'll never tell. Oh, but it's an adapted work. But no, no, it's better this way. He's never going to tell us anything, all right? Anyway, what do you think? It's interesting that you asked me that, Cody. Uh, <laughs> and I'm so glad that we live in a country where you can ask <laughs> such questions. <laughs> You know, oh, yeah, and the, where you are have the freedom to posit these kinds of questions. All right, here's the thing, Cody. I feel like the the overarching, you know, like you can take the movie, you can look at it, and you can say, "Oh, it's about you know COVID and being locked down and like going crazy." But I think it, it goes a little deeper than that, right? To what quarantine and all that kind of I think probably brought out especially in a lot of these kinds of people like a lot of the creative uh -huh. types right um mm -hmm. where you know like these guys they tend to they live their life in such a way and I, a lot of people live their life in this way where it's like you're always it's you're on to the next thing you hit your goal it's the next then it's the next step you know it's like all the you know it's, you're constantly moving forward you're moving you're grooving it's on to the next thing you're busy you're missing stuff but you're it's fine whatever you know you'll take care of that next year or when you get the raise or when you get the promotion or when you get the bonus it's move you're constantly on to the next thing and one thing right that this did and that's what a lot of these people are they're all people that are distracting themselves themselves from issues that they are having. Everybody in this movie is like that. They're all using the busyness of their professional or personal lives to distract themselves from their own internal issues, both right. at, at all three layers of it. Right. And they're in the middle part there. It's everything stops everything. Like something slams on the brakes to where they can't 
do that anymore. They can't be distracted. They can't continue to run from these problems. And I think, I mean, I know I kind of felt that for a little while with the pandemic. I know a lot of people struggle with that where it's like, oh, now I can't, you know, I can't go out and do all this stuff. I can't run from it. So I think that's like the bigger picture, I guess you could say, more so than just, oh, it's about, you know, quarantine and pandemic and like what it's right. like going stir crazy. But it's more than that. It's not just the going stir crazy. It's the you've used this hectic life that you've built around yourself to insulate yourself from problems in your life. And now you're forced to deal with it because right. you see it with uh, Augie. Right. And you see it with uh, I can't I don't know all their character names. Hold on. Let me switch over here to IMDb. That'll give me the character names, you know, shout out. IMDb. You know, Augie, Midge, Stanley, General. <laughs> it's General Gibson, but, you know, it's reading it like they're all first names, right? You know, they're all like just moving from one thing to the next. And now they're all forced to just kind of be here, right? And, you know, like even Conrad is like constantly moving forward. He's the playwright, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Edward Norton. Uh, constantly like writing, moving forward, doing stuff. And he's then he hits writer's block, which stops him. And you see the different ways that people deal with it. Like some people don't deal with it very well. Some people, but most people eventually they work through their problems. You know, like you get even like Montana, who was kind of a bit part. Right. But you see Mm -hmm. little flashes of him in the, you know, like him looking, you know, almost longingly at those dirty little plots of land. (laughs) Steve Carell is trying to push on people. You know, it's like, well, you don't really buy the land. It's a loan. And then after like, what, like a hundred years or something like that, it matures and you get the land or something like that. You know, like, and I thought it was very interesting. All these people dealing with so many different issues, right. In their own very different ways, but all kind of coming out of it, coming out the other side better Right. And there's references to people who are like, oh, well, they had it all figured out. They were living their best life. You know, like there's references to uh, uh, Augie's wife, who is, I believe, is is Margot Robbie. They they have like the Mm -hmm. outside of it, you know, when he's on the balcony and she's in another play Mm -hmm. and they like rehearse their scene, you know, and that I'll tell you, man, that. Hey, you talk about going from like, oh, this is kind of like a funny comedy that makes you think a little bit to like, that's a, that's a moment right there when they do their scene. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, I just thought it was very, it was interesting. It felt like it, there was more meaning behind this than most of the Wes Anderson movies. Right. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've got that same feeling. Right. But it, it felt was, like it I came, felt it was very heady. Like it was like, no, I've got a point to make. I have a lot of ideas to express. And, you know, there was a lot more going on with it. And I think part of that is because it's a movie about a television special about the making of a play, you know, yeah, all those layers add complexity to it and make it like a more. Yeah. And I mean, like that's, I I like interpreted a lot of a lot of it to be like Wes Anderson, probably how he almost internally dealt with a lot of this stuff, you know, where Mm. you get like the, the playwright that's like, I don't know what to do next. And then this comes up out of this, uh, you know, this writer's block stuck moment. And uh, uh, so it was interesting because, you know, especially coming from like Life Aquatic and, and Isle of Dogs, which, 
you know, don't feel like that deep of movies. Like they're just kind of funny mm-hmm. or they're, you know, kind of weird. <laughs> but, uh, mm-hmm. and then you come to this, but I, I mean, I, I liked a lot of it. I definitely felt that the, this, like I said, it has a lot more to say, but like you said that the mission, the message isn't that, oh, well, this is, you know, how you do it. It's like, well, you know, like, you know, the, I feel like, like, you, like you kind of nailed it when he, get, he was talking to Augie or the guy who, who plays Augie. I don't know. It just says Augie. But that him when he's playing the actor in the act, he's like, what does it mean? And it's like, well, you, you're doing it like you're fine, but you're trying to do too much or like you're trying to make it more than it needs to be. Just do your best and it'll be fine. You know, like mm-hmm. you're in it, you're doing it. There's no like, oh, well, maybe I should rework the characters. Like you can't go back and rework your character like as a person. You're you can tweak it. You can change it. But like it's not like you can be like, oh. I don't like how long my legs are. So, you know, like, I don't know. Like mm-hmm. you can't rework the core of you as a character. Right. I also just loved, I always, I kept expecting so much more just as an aside. I expected so much more from the Montana teacher love story mm-hmm. thing. And then just nothing happened. And I was like, what the heck? Jam packed full of all these characters who you can, you know, you really, you can't pay off all their stuff because there's so many characters in this movie. Yeah. You know, it was interesting. This one is marked as a romance movie in Google. And I, I was like, what? And then I, the more I thought about it, the more I thought this really is start to finish. Every little side story is about a romance, right? It's there's Montana and the teacher. There's Augie and Midge. And then there's Augie and Midge's kids as well. Yeah. Well, so it's not Augie and Midge's kids, right? It's Augie's kid. It's what's his name? Uh, Clifford. Is that his name? No, Clifford's the dare me guy. Uh, Woodrow and the little Girl Scout that's obsessed with Midge. No. Because Midge doesn't have a kid there. N- no, she's there with her. That's her daughter. No. She's just there. She's okay. No, no, no. There's yeah. the okay. There's the redhead girl who's obsessed with Midge, but Midge has a daughter. It's the girl that Brainiac kisses. Remember, because she's next to Midge eating at the diner when Augie takes a picture of them, and Brainiac is there with Augie as well. Dude, I saw this movie two times. Look, but I own it, Cody. <laughs> So, you know, like you can. And, come- and he's trying to decide, right? They have the moment they're in the telescope. They're trying to figure out the star dates or whatever. And then they're trying to decide what they're going to project on the moon as a signal to the alien. It should be something really meaningful. And at the end, he puts their initials and then he kisses her. Yeah. Because what does it matter? Because I think I like the the moment yeah, at the end exactly. right where he flips over the meteorite and he's like, it's been inventoried. Like the guy, he was just there to inventory the rock, man. Like he's just, yeah. he's like, I just work here, guys. <laughs> I don't know what you're all doing mm-hmm. here. Are you worshiping the rock? I'm just going to snack, snatch this real quick. I'm going to slither on down here. I'm going <laughs> to gank the rock. Is it, is that what, we're, is that what, is that would be, that'd be correct? I don't know. Sounds right to me. Uh, and then, uh, he just drops it back. I also can I just say, Cody, I love that Jeff Goldblum is credited as the alien when it's all like the alien is 99% a stop motion little thing. And then it's just him yeah. in a costume in like a two second. Oh, I thought yeah. it was the alien one. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Exactly. Love it. Um, and that was honestly one thing I loved about the movie too, is like, it shows all the credits at the start and all the characters and like, Oh, this is such a fun movie. And then the very last credit and Jeff Goldblum as the alien, you're like, 
a worm for a tree. <laughs> this is going to be good. So when Tiffany and I yeah. uh, looked up the movie to look uh, to read it first, I, it just had the cast. It didn't say what each person was playing. And mm-hmm. I was like, all right, let's have bets right now. Who's playing the alien? Is it Jeff Goldblum or is it uh, Brian Cranston? One of them is the mm-hmm. alien. One of them is the narrator. I was like, guarantee yeah. it. And I was like, who is it? And I was like, I bet I was like, they definitely, you're definitely making Jeff Goldblum the alien in that instance, but who knows? Wes yeah, Anderson's out here. Crazy person, you know? Oh yeah. He's ganking for sure. Uh, <laughs> I will say the first time I saw this one, I walked in and I was cutting it close. I missed the first like 40 seconds of the movie. <laughs> and you know, it's a terrible amount of a movie to miss. Cause you have no clue how much of the movie you missed. Do you know what I'm saying? Where you're like, did you know how how much do we miss out on and uh i saw it a second time don't worry it was only 40 seconds and anyway people were watching the movie i slunk in it was fine but during like a really quiet moment like halfway through the movie someone whispered and it was one of those things they whispered but everyone heard it in the theater because you know <laughs> you whisper when there's no sound and it's you know it's pretty loud yeah. they're like this isn't good it's like <laughs> I have questions for you, uh, lady. First off, you didn't know what you're getting into with the Wes Anderson movie. This the box office for Wes Anderson movies is like it's like forty million dollars. It's nothing. So who's coming into a Wes Anderson movie and they don't know what they're bargaining for? You know? Do you want to play yourself? What this, this is the most Wes Anderson movie I've seen to date. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, this is Wes. This is Wes up the waz. You know what I'm saying? And uh, they played themselves. Yeah, what's the box office? It is $46 million. $46 million. You know what I'm saying? This is not, this isn't pulling, this isn't a $300 million movie that everyone went and saw. No, this is, you know, people who like Wes, they show up, all the actors, they show up because they like Wes, and we all enjoy it, and we move on, you know? Oh, yeah. You know what, Cody? So, I don't know what they... And who watches the delightful unfoldings of this film and then whisper to someone, this isn't good, you know? I know that it, I can so see. Rude. Well, I don't know. I mean, like I can see people not liking this because it's like if you don't like his style, but it's also like. But you also don't like puppies, rainbows and cookie dough, you know, yeah. like that's what I'm saying. Well, you know, like you don't like happiness. Is like, the audience, it was a pretty good audience. They were enjoying, you know, they were laughing at the bits and, you know, there were a lot of people enjoying the movie. So it wasn't like an awkward showing where there were like 12 people and I was the only one enjoying myself. Like there, there were, there were giggles. There were laughs. I heard them and it was decently full. Cody, let me ask you something here. Hit me up. Did you see the Edward Norton, Jason Schwartzman uh makeout scene coming did you see that coming from a mile away because uh, oh not even a little bit because the whole intro is he's like not now you know like don't send him in and it's like oh so this guy's like a stranger and then he rolls in and he breaks the window and it's like all right i'm figuring out this character and then it ends in a kiss what it's hollywood <laughs> what baby was that whole thing yeah that's true i feel you like someone we haven't like 10 years from now we're gonna find out like that's Wes Anderson trying to like in his own little like weird way expose someone heinous in in you know Hollywood, right? Like he's trying or to be it's like his, 
like it's probably a sneaky way of telling Jason Schwartzman he's got a crush on him. It's like, maybe uh, hey, guy who's been in almost all of my movies for the last 20 years, who's written movies with me, this playwright is kind of like me, and you're kind of like you. And anyway, we share a little kiss. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Here's my theory, all right? Who's the other guy yeah. that's not Jason Schwartzman that's also in most of his movies? Bill Murray. No, no. The other... Owen Wilson. The bad guy from uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel. What's his name? Willem Dafoe? No. He works. Willem Dafoe works for this guy. I haven't seen Grand Budapest in a minute. Here's the thing, Cody. You failed me so hard that I don't know if we can ever move past this. All right. Because this man is in so many of his movies. All right. It's Adrian Brody. This, I think this is Wes Anderson telling Adrian Brody, who plays the director of the play. That's who he plays in this movie, that he has a crush on him. Yeah. See, there's a lot of levels of separation. You got to really dive deep, you know? That's true. You really do. Uh, You know, another unsung character from the movie we haven't mentioned yet, his three little daughters, uh, the little witches. Oh, (laughs) they were delightful. You know, she's like, I'm a mummy who's been brought back to life. And then it's like, I'm a fairy, you know? They're great. They're delightful. They're doing rituals. They're doing witchcraft. They're, (laughs) it's, they're just, they're fun to be around. Oh, yeah. And they got they basically just convinced everybody to just leave their mom buried in a a motel, (laughs) like the space between a couple cabins in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's like, where else do you want to get married? I was like, who? I look at this cast list. I'm like, who? Where were these people? And I'm like, oh, yeah. Willem Dafoe was the acting teacher. That's right. Oh, yeah. Here's the thing. Can I just quick, can I just as an aside, because we're probably never going to review this movie. Talk about Oscar worthy performances. Willem Dafoe in Life Aquatic. Mm. What? Oh, yeah. One of the best performances I've ever seen in my life. All right. This man. He's great. Enormous wiener. Great acting range. All right. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. That's two things we know about him. Yeah. The only two things we know. Yeah. I mean, do you know a third thing about him? Is that what you're trying to say? Not really. No, I don't. I mean, I have a, I have a, since you brought up Willem Dafoe's wiener, <laughs> I have something <laughs> related to that to talk about, but I don't know if you wanted to, if there was anything else besides, you know, before we want to dive into the subject of full frontal nudity, Cody. Uh, no, we can, we can mash on that for a bit. Cody, here's my favorite thing about this. Yeah, I saw a I found an interview. I don't have it with me at the moment. Right. I should have pulled it up. I didn't. Right. Uh, With Scarlett Johansson talking about her nude scene and how Wes Anderson Uh did not handle it well. And it is Uh very funny that she said uh, this man, world class director. Right. Everyone loves working with him. Everyone mm-hmm. loves his movies, except for that one lady, right? Um, she's like, it's a lot of hiding behind the camera, and so a lot of throat clearing, a lot of <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> as he's directing a, a fully naked Scarlett Johansson, and her thing was like, he wouldn't have had the problem with Willem Dafoe and his enormous wiener. That was like mm-hmm. one thing she said. I was like, what? 
First off, I don't know if that counts as a stray, but let's call it a stray for the purpose of this. Why is Willem <laughs> Dafoe catching strays out here? What the? What? <laughs> like, why Why this yeah. thing where it's like, oh, how did you feel about this scene? It's like, well, Willem Dafoe, huge. Anyway, Wes Anderson, yeah, he's kind of a nerd. <laughs> okay, uh, Which is the- funny because that's exactly how Augie plays the scene, too. Like, she's like, do you, I do a new scene. Do you want to see it? And he's like, did I say yes? Did I say anything? <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah, there I, I you mean, go. yes. <laughs> my, my, yeah. my, my mouth didn't Oh, work. man. Um, yeah, about that, some trivia. Originally, the movie was rated R uh, for brief graphic nudity, and they appealed it, and bing, bang, boom, they got the PG-13. It was, uh, as far as, like, random graphic nudity, it was a weird one because it was out of focus, and I wonder if they, like, I don't know. I'm assuming it was always out of focus, right? And then they put it in assuming they get the pg-13 that they still had to peel it because if it wasn't out of focus it would be an r right automatically anyway i don't know i think it depends here's the thing right the nudity question uh i know i know a bit of it cody because the the the, the, the defining factor right is is it sexual mm-hmm. or not mm, that's a good point yeah if it's sexual it's an r rating if it's not sexual not an r rating then it's PG thirteen. Mm. Then you get, I think it's four. It's something weird like four nipples gets you an R rating no matter what. That's mm. how you can get the three breasted woman in uh, Total Recall and still get PG thirteen. Mm. But that is sexual because she's a prostitute. So I don't understand. Well, the other thing you're not you're forgetting, Tyler, is that the MPA is made up by moms. parents, and you can only be in it for so long. And the rules are whatever they say is allowed, that's what's allowed. So it's a rotating cast of human adults with children of a certain age making up the rules. So it's not like the rules have stayed the same. They change. So let's talk about the MPA. Yeah. Uh, Sorry. Excuse me. It's the MPA now. All right. They drop the the double A single A. Show some respect to the random group of moms that make up the arbitrary rules that we rate our movies with, all right? How did a bunch of moms swindle the country into letting them decide what films get rated, all right? And why are they never handing out this NC-17? Why do I never see NC-17 movies in the theater, Cody? That's what I want to know. hard enough, you know? I don't think you're legally allowed to show it unless you're in art house cinema. Like, look, all I there's know a is thing. that there's, there's the a sign. weird thing about it. There's the sign. Yeah. It has NC-17 it at the bottom. It is a rating. Yeah. They never have them. Yeah. Well, what's funny is some of the old NC-17 movies when it first came out are like, there's a gay man. We had a rated NC-17. You're like, yeah. what? <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> That's the reason? Anyway, so it's, uh, you know, it is what it is. One day, I, I might have an NC-17 movie on my... <gasps> on my list i don't know if i do but it's the one that's uh it's rated r because they're gay you know not because it's Mm. worse than any other r-rated movie you've ever seen just there you go the rules they're real consistent they're real good it's working that's what here's my thing you know the only thing that is really good at it is the imdb parents guide because it tells you what goes on it's you know and it's not always right because some people but they'll give you one through ten and they'll be like anyway this happens this happens this happens whatever see it if you want and that's what i use if i'm ever like not sure if i want to dive into a movie's content and that works so much better than a rating that says ah 
someone smokes in it, someone swears in it. You're like, how much swearing? How much smoking? Or is it reefer? What are they smoking? Is it, you know? And uh, and what's here's the other thing I've noticed about the MPA. Sometimes there are movies that are like, it's rated R for this. But then it has like a PG-13 level of like everything else. But that's not listed because it's not rated. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. All right. It's bad. And let's talk about this. Unless you're watching the trailer of the movie or looking at like the theater's movie poster, it's really hard actually to look at a movie for what it's rated for. Like if you just Google a movie, you're like, what's it rated? Then it comes up with Rotten Tomatoes ratings. Like, no, but what's the MPA rating? And it's like, here's the MPA's website. And like, okay, is the movie on there? Like, no, we just explain what the MPA is. Like, well, (laughs) what's your whole point? is dumb you know it's dumb and it's bad i mean let's talk about this on imdb it's working as it says designed, pg right? <laughs> under asteroid city yeah so explain that look, to me that's your fault all right explain this to me cody in the trailer pg-13 what <laughs> are you looking at imdb right now yes mine says pg-13 hold on here's what i'm gonna do i'm it sharing is, it is totally working as design my guy this the system is working this right here Oh my gosh. I'm zooming in. Can you see? It's right there. Right, City. PG. Well, do you want me to drop you a little screenshot of what I'm looking at? All right. I just live shared my screen. There's no lion here. There's no Photoshop. You know, like, I look, here's the thing. I did. Okay. Cody, you've heard of the movie. I prepare this so I could lie to you. You've heard of the movie 300? I think that's dropped. Cody, there's nudity. The Zack Snyder Triumph? Yeah. That's say PG-13. But when I bought it, it said R. <laughs> so yeah, Well, it used to be rated R. You know, they appealed the, it. So in that movie, there is, a, you know, like the Oracle or whatever, where's like basically nothing. Where's like a, you know, what was it? Like Which a cling wrap. Oh, 300. 300. Where's like Got a it, cling yeah. wrap dress. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's in the trailer for the movie that shows on like TV. Okay. But let's talk about this. Oh, yeah, on TV. But the trailers for movies, if you notice, when you watch a trailer for a movie, it says this has been approved for all audiences, or it says this has been approved to accompany this feature film. So if you watch a movie with blood and violence in it, you can watch a trailer with blood and violence in it for that movie. There's also Red Band trailers that are like, hey, this is also approved for this movie but it's like an R-rated trailer, but also it's only going to have the stuff that that R-rated movie you're watching has in it. Does that make sense? So mm-hmm. you won't see like nudity in, an R- in a red band trailer for an R-rated movie that doesn't have nudity. But if the movie you're watching <laughs> has nudity in it, then your red band R-rated trailer might also have nudity in it. Here's what I'm, li- here's what I'm hearing. How do they know? <laughs> but then it- their ratings just say like, ah, there's this, in-. you know, it's like a two word thing. Like it's rated R, it's got this, it's got language. You're like, okay, but... That's so not specific. It sounds exhausting. That's what it sounds like. Have you ever gone to the Common Sense Media ratings? It's like the IMDb one, but not helpful at all. They're like, well, this person, they kiss someone they're not married to. And you're like, well, oh yeah, I love those ones. I'm not interested in the morals of what's, I just tell me what it is and I'll decide if I'm going to watch it. Anyway, it's like totally takes it out of the context of the movie, you know, where it's just like, well, someone's out here and they've got alcohol in their cabinet. They've got a liquor cabinet in there. They don't drink, but there's a liquor cabinet. And I don't know if you want your kids seeing a movie with a liquor cabinet. You're like, come on. My favorite is like, what are we doing here? They kiss and it is implied (laughs) that they had intercourse. And then you watch the movie and it's like, they kiss, fade to black three days later. 
it is never brought up again. <laughs> it's like, where is this oh, implied, man. guy? Like, where did you Look, get this information from? I respect the people filling out these, you know, the parent guide, because, you know, I use it. I really do. And some of them, they get it up quick. You know, they whip it out and they're like, look, I saw the movie. I told you what was in it. Respect to you. But also, you know, do a better job. Right. Just tell me what's in it. I... Are there bits, front bits, back bits, you know, oh, yeah. the language? How much? A lot of it? A little bit of it? That's all I need to know. I have a question I, for you. Yeah. What yes. is Wes Anderson's obsession with having characters armed at all times? That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed, I mean, uh, obviously no. it's a big part of Life Aquatic. But like, <laughs> why does it <laughs> yeah, a thing? Everyone just has a if a Glock, the interns share it's a Glock so in good, that movie, dude. to be fair. Oh, man. <laughs> but, but like Tom Hanks, just he's just packing the whole time. And I'm like, oh, well, that's was, hey, hold on. If you're a grandpa in the 50s, you got to be packing. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? But like I, I so I'm going part I'm, of the joys of being retired. It's going out. It's playing a few holes of golf. And, you know, if you see anything you want to shoot at, you got your revolver on you just in case. You know, you want to be prepared. Uh, here's the thing, Cody. I watched Knives Out and Glass Onion in the midst of all these Wes Anderson movies. So in my mind, mm -hmm. Wes Anderson movies. All right. So let's talk about that movie. <laughs> also <laughs> guns involved in that one, you know. So it's like, what's yeah. with these guns in this movie? Like, but I, it's one of those things where it's like, I plan, I am. I've begun a journey where I'm going to watch all of these uh, Wes Anderson movies. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just keep thinking, like, why, why are, is it going to, like, if I pay attention, is there always somebody with a pistol, like, in their belt in every scene, like, in every movie? Yeah. Wes Anderson? I mean, probably. I mean, a gun he's a knife? Texan. I believe he's from Texas. This man is all he's all he's every ounce of creativity and like uh hollywoodness that texas could possibly produce squeezed into one mm. person right yeah. that's what he is mm -hmm. look I at him tell you I'm, so I'm flipping through the screenshots of the movie and i could just do this all day you know what an <laughs> excellent so film beautiful. you know just everything is framed so meticulously and the colors are so beautiful and there's people looking into camera and there's people looking away from camera and, you know, I just, this movie is great. There are some great bits. I really like that. I just saw the screenshot of uh, Tim Honks and Jason Schwartzman having their conversation on the phone and you kind of talked about the bit where he's like, oh, you got to, you know, you got to come in. You gotta come pick up the girls. And after that, they're like, <laughs> they have a whole conversation. No, maybe it's the one they're having later, but he's like, you know, it's like, you didn't love me ever. Right. It's like, I didn't like you. Well, yeah, no, yeah, I didn't. We're saying the same thing. <laughs> you know, yeah. just, I don't know. There's just, there's great writing and, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of good bits and you're okay. I mean, there's so many throwaway characters that like you could make into their own movie. There's the scientist parents, people that are like having a moral debate and like scientific opinions back and forth all movie they just pop up for three scenes and that's it you know that could be a whole thing the general 
He's got a whole rift. This is one thing I appreciated the second time more. He's got a whole rift with specifically one of the children. <laughs> Just yeah. the, is it Ricky Cho? Yeah. I forget his name, but yeah. he like calls him out by name. Like, despite my differences with Ricky Cho, <laughs> like I will let you all leave, you know, yeah. whatever, by order of the president. I love that because Ricky's it's such like great. a good, I'm going to burn down the establishment attitudes. <laughs> yeah, the rest he's of like, you'll have like, to take dude. this to the Supreme Court. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's out here wiretapping and, you know, stealing phone lines so he can report on the story to his. Yeah, that's great. There's you're, just you're there's clicking so much through these screenshots. It. All right. Did you see yeah. the one of Wes Anderson out in the desert? Yep. Oh, yeah. In an antique it. chair in a full white suit. What? Oh, yeah. It delighted me to no end. Look at yes. this man. So this man good. is so much nerdier and also cooler than I'll ever be, you know, and it just. Yeah. You know, oh man, I accidentally clicked on the trailer. Who that was close? That was a lot of sound right there. I that mean, how they get you, you know. I don't know, I don't have that much more to say about the movie other than I liked it enough to see it two times. I think maybe it was just like three percent too heady for its own good. Like I wanted it to wrap up just a tiny bit more because my favorite Wes Anderson movie, and I think most people's favorite, it's the most awarded of his films is grand budapest hotel mm. and it has all the charm of a wes anderson movie and the heart of a wes anderson movie but it also has like this really beautiful story that like wraps up you know neatly as well and that isn't always the case for his movies there are some that are kind of more linear like you talked about isle of dogs pretty straightforward but a great movie this one it gets so in the weeds at times. I wish it was just a little bit neater, but it's all, you know, the characters are wrestling with these questions and there isn't like a super direct answer to any of them. I, I really appreciated it. It's also like, man, if you just made the asteroid city part, like the colorful fun part, you could have made that 20 minutes longer and had just as good a movie. If not, uh, I don't know, I would say better movie, but you know, like it could have just been like a fun ride the whole time. I don't, I won't knock it for adding the other stuff in too. Cause it did, it made me go back and see it a second time. And it made me really think about the movie. It's just, that's my only knock on it. Other than that, I loved all the characters. I think, um, really cool movie. I missed French dispatch. I'm excited to go back and watch that one. I've heard people like that one as well. Even like, I think the diehard Wes Anderson fans loved it and everyone else was like, Eh, it wasn't Grand Budapest Hotel, which I, you know, it happens. I don't know. I really like this one. I'm excited to go back. Like you said, I've seen maybe half or a little more than half his movies. There's still a handful I haven't seen. So I do want to go back through and, and see some more of them. But, you know, just a delightful film. Great project. I can't recommend it enough. That one lady, you know, he got your $12. So, who, you know, you're the you're the sucker in this scenario, you know? Yeah, you're part of the 46 million, you know, so suck on that nerd. Uh, you know, I, I liked it. I, right before I watched it, I actually saw like a ranking of all the movies and they put, um, Asteroid City at number one. And I saw that in more than one where they ranked all of his movies and it was always like Grand Budapest Hotel was usually like the second one. And then this was the first, the thing, but I think that's a largely due to recency bias and like, yeah SEO, I, right but yeah I, well i mean grand budapest won all the oscars yeah and this one's not gonna win the oscars like i mean it should for like things like costume set design production design maybe director 
but it's not going to win best picture, you know, like whereas Grand Budapest, because it was such a complete film that also had all the Wes Anderson style to it, it made it like such a unique and awesome thing. I just don't think this one's quite there, but it'll definitely be around at the awards, but it's not going to, you know, it's like French Dispatch didn't do that well at the Oscars. It might have got one or two nods, but anyway, I think uh, Grand Budapest is the king of the Wes Anderson movies. In my opinion, and I, it'll be a while before it gets dethroned. It's going to take a really special project, I think, because that's such like a complete film, you know? Yeah, and I feel like Grand Budapest Hotel is like, it is, here's what I think the strength of the Grand Budapest Hotel is, right? I think, you know when you watch a Quentin Tarantino movie, and you're like, mm-hmm. this movie probably is it's not trying to tell you anything. It's literally just, you know, they're having fun making a movie. And they made a good movie. It mm. could be not a fun movie, but you could, mm. you always re, you feel how much everyone lo- in that involved in that loves making movies. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you get the same vibes. Yeah. But that's why I feel like the grand Budapest hotel had that same, like you felt like everybody loved making every minute of this movie and it had the Wes Anderson style on it. So I feel mm. like that's why it is a, a still a number one for me is that this one doesn't quite necessarily have that same oomph behind it, like you were saying. Mm. Mm-hmm. But it's still, like, it's, I think this is up there in, the like, peak. I would say they're on par as far as, like, perfect examples of his style of movie. Mm-hmm. And, like, perfect yeah. executions of it. I just think that one felt, like, he, it felt like they had a lot more fun making it. And, you know, like, it was much more of a, a passion project. Whereas this was much more of a... I, th- I honestly think this movie was born out of Wes Anderson himself dealing with a lot of that stuff. Like what I talked about earlier and, you know, the movie kind of built around that. Yeah, I think what's kind of interesting, I was running through his movies because I know he's a writer director, but I noticed that Roman Coppola co-wrote this with him. And so I was going through all his movies. I don't think he's written one by himself. He always works with someone. His first few movies, it was Owen Wilson. He's done a few with Jason Schwartzman. He's done um, a few with Roman Coppola now. He's done a few with Noah Baumbach, who also wrote Barbie. He did Life Aquatic as well. Um, but I do think there's something to say about some of his best scripts are based on material, like Fantastic Mr. Fox is the Roald Dahl book. And then Grand Budapest Hotel was already a novel, and then he adapted it. So I don't know. I, I just think there's something to say for like, if he can take a hold of a work that exists and is complete and be like, okay, let me put my, you know, whole style into this. I think he kind of benefits from that. That's the only thing that's missing well, for it, me from like this kind of a movie. His style does. It brings that storybook energy to anything, mm-hmm. right? Like I was showing Tiffany, all of the AI generated like trailers for movies made by him. Yeah. And I was like, I would watch the hell out of us. Lord of the Rings made by him. Like I would yeah. watch a 27 part movie like series for Lord yeah. of the Rings by Wes Anderson. Are you kidding me? Like, Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. Well, that's what's cool about him is that everything is so charming and fun and delightful, but also he will rip your heart out if he wants to, like he knows how to do that. And it's kind of like you talked about asteroid city. So fun, but then there's like this scene where he and Margaret Robbie are talking on the balcony and it's like black and white. Like, Oh, this is like a whole different vibe, but it's the same movie and it's not out of place, you know? And, Grand Budapest is very much like that. So much of the movie is so fun, but then it's got this really like bittersweet and like heartbreaking story behind it at the same time. Yeah. 
And so, you know, it's a, it takes a really strong director to be able to do something so fun, but also to understand, hey, if I need a really serious scene, you know, and so I mean, I think he could adapt something like Lord of the Rings, you know, where it's like, oh, no, he'll still, you know, your favorite character is going to get murdered and you're going to feel awful about it. But we're going to have a lot of fun. All the other scenes, too. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, like, it's going to be like the big fight scene is going to be ridiculous. But then, you know. Spoilers for Lord of the Rings, Gandalf falling into darkness, mm-hmm. into shadow, as they say. Yeah. It's going to be black and white, and it's going to be, he's going to let you sit in it for like a while, you know? Yeah. Like, uh-huh. Can I, can I pitch you one more thing here, Cody? Yeah. This is going to come out of left field, Cody, but I feel like you're on board for it. All right. I already is it know about you're Willem here. No. Because if it's about Willem Dafoe, I already know what it is. No, we already know everything okay. we need to know about Willem Dafoe, you know? Yeah. What I'm going to pitch you is Rupert Friend, mm-hmm. right? Montana. Yeah. Okay. Anything where you were like, I wish I had Hugh Jackman, but younger. Oh. All right. That's a good call. I see that. You see, see him? him? Yeah. There he is. Oh. He is. Yeah. No, that's a good call. I will say one other thing that was kind of fun about this movie was that because it's about a movie about a TV special about the making of a play, you see everyone playing their characters in Asteroid City, but then you also see them doing the play stuff in black and white. And you Mm -hmm. see them as different characters when like the writer is meeting with all the actors, like, Hey, can you guys just do a scene for me so I can get ideas? Like, it's really fun to me to see an actor doing two or three different characters in a movie and just seeing their range. Like Jason Schwartzman did that because he's doing his little part and then he's himself. And then he's Augie in the play is what, like, I don't know. I just, I love seeing actors ranges and being like, Oh, right. That is not you. That is your character, but you can also be a different character. It's just a lot of fun. Yeah. And he, Rupert friends are perfect example. Cause he's a cowboy in the play. And then he has like one or two lines during the acting exercise and he's a British dude. You're like, oh, right. Okay. Right. You're not a cowboy. But also if you were a cowboy in real life, I would believe it, you know? Oh yeah. You know, I like that's part of why I'm like, oh yeah, let's put him in the Hugh Jackman stuff that let's maybe Hugh Jackman, he's getting old. The man just wants to sing on Broadway, you know? Yep. Just let him live his life. All right. Mm-hmm. Let him be in what Cody's sister called a terror. Wait, did your sister like Greatest Showman or did she not like that one? I can't remember. Uh, I didn't like Greatest Showman. Because you're that, a is that what you're thinking of? <laughs> yeah, but like I can't remember because you're like, oh, my sister, she likes musicals. My sister didn't like La La Land because mm. people were like musical, and she's like, it wasn't. I'm like, right, but was it a good movie? <laughs> anyway, no, it's fine. it wasn't. I don't, was I don't it? like no. when people disregard things because of leap, you know, it's like, we'll watch it. And then, you know, it's fine. I'm fine. I'll be okay. Cody, are you ready to rate the movie or did you got more to say? It's no, I, I'm ready to rate it. I'm just, I'm looking at my list and I'm just kind of torn at what the grades going to be. And I think I, I think I know though. I think I've settled on it. Should we say at the same time or when do you want, how do you want to do it? Here's the thing, I you know, I want I want you to go first. You tell me yours, All right. and I'll tell you mine. You show me yours, I'll show you Willem Dafoe's, and then mine. <laughs> or I'll show you Willem right. Dafoe's and claim that it's my rating. I'm going to drop on it uh, a hot and ready A-. minus. Mm. 
Mm. Tell me about you. What do you got? What do you got down there? I want in my heart of hearts, Cody, in the heart of the cards that is inside of my own heart. I want yeah. to give it the A plus, but I just feel like you say like it just there's something about it. It falls just shy. Mm-hmm. You know, like like I said, I think the thing that makes me like it a lot for one reason is the re- like the fact that it's so heady and it is like so metaphorical in some of its stuff Mm -hmm. right is almost what holds it back Mm -hmm. where you take something like grand budapest hotel or even isle of dogs where it's like there's not really a lot of metaphor to it it's just a story Mm -hmm. it's going it's happening you know um so i'm gonna just do a flat a just do a flat a just giving it the just i respect it i respect it you know as you would say a 95 percent or a 92 or whatever. Because I would say 100%. We all know A+, plus, that's when you did the extra credit. That's when you went above mm. and beyond. Yeah. You're out yeah. here saying A+, plus is perfect score. I'm like, then how mm. do you go above and beyond, Cody? Mm. That's a good question. Well, we that's do. A++. Plus plus. Well, now we you're do. a fool. <laughs> now you look like a fool, Cody. Uh. Now you look like a fool. Because you're saying that, that kind of stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Tyler, yeah. it's been a delight, you know, for the people out there listening. We thank you. You know, if you are the person or, you know, the person that whispered they didn't like this movie, I want you to share it with them, you know, share the episode with them so they can get called out nice and proper. And uh, you can reach out to us, you know, just scream into the void. We'll be there. We are opinion havers. And until next time, watch movies and have opinions. Can you believe that uh, Steve Carell's part was supposed to be played by Bill Murray, but uh, he got sick with COVID or something, so they had to swap him out for Steve? Aren't you so glad?